Welcome to another edition of Inspired Stories, where leaders share their experiences so we can learn from their successes, how they've overcome adversity, and explore current challenges they're facing. Welcome to another edition of the Inspired Stories podcast, where leaders share their experiences so we can learn from their successes, how they've overcome adversity, and explore current challenges they're facing. My name is Anthony Cotispoti, and this episode is brought to you by my company, Adback Benefits Agency, where we offer very specific and unique employee benefits that are both great for your team and fiscally optimized for your bottom line. One recent client was able to save over $900 per employee per year by implementing one of our programs. Another client is going to save over $1,200 per employee per year by implementing a different program, a patented construct that we offer. Results vary for each company, and some organizations may not be eligible. To find out if your company qualifies, contact us today at adbackbenefitsagency.com. For today's show, our guest is Ryan Whiteside, who is the Digital Marketing Director at Two Wheels Marketing, a firm based in Columbus, Ohio, that provides SEO, PPC, and paid digital advertising. Ryan, I appreciate you making the time to share your story today. Yeah, great to be here. So let's start not quite at the beginning, but I see you went to Ohio University in Athens. From graduation, what was that path into digital marketing? How did you first get started in the field? And what, what did your path kind of look like to get you to be where you are now at Two Wheels? Yeah, so uh, I went to college in 2003 and my freshman year I was in like multiple majors I could not figure out what I wanted to do with my life uh but sounds like a traditional college freshman yeah uh but in my spare time I started building websites um so my first start was a poker website so Parker was like very popular at the time so I created this website that like reviewed all the poker sites and uh, I earned a commission uh, affiliate program whenever someone would sign up for these services and, and made money that way. So that, like, that was my first intro into making money online. So I was like very addicted to that. And, you know, from there I created multiple websites all throughout college, uh, and made a nice side income from that. But, uh, my degree was in computer science. So, uh, I, you know, learned to program and do all the stuff and I, I really did not like it. Uh, but by the time I really figured out that I really didn't like it, I was like, it was into my third or fourth year of school. So I was like, I'm, I might as well just finish cause I'm so close to the end. But, uh, once I got out of school, I already knew I did not want to be a programmer and do that my entire life. Uh, but I always had that passion of marketing. So that's kind of where I started to look for jobs was in digital marketing, which at the time I, I started my career at the, one of the worst times. It was 2008, you know, the economy crashed. Um, there weren't just a lot of SEO or digital marketing jobs in general. Like it was kind of starting to become an up and coming thing. Uh, but one company finally took a chance on me and, uh, you know, the rest is history. So who was that company that took a, ch a chance on you? Uh, they're not even around anymore. It, it was called web marketing. I was employee seven there and it was, it was a wild company to start at. I, I mean, I remember like one of our first couple months, it was Halloween and like 
instead of working for a day, we like sat around and drank. Like it was, it was a wild time. Uh, I but, think we're, we're understanding a little bit. Well, maybe why they're not still around, huh? No, actually, uh, that that's not an accurate picture. Like they were, the two owners were fantastic people. Some of the best people I've ever worked with. Uh, they, they're still very, very successful today. And actually the company grew from like seven to 30 very quickly. And uh, a couple of years later, we got acquired by a company that was 150 people. So yeah, the, the company itself was success. Uh, we just, just in the early days of a startup, it was just like, you know, a lot of excitement, constant change, that type of thing. I want to go back to the um, poker website commissions, because it sounds like that's where you get your first bite of the digital marketing Apple and it and it worked pretty well. Can you give us an idea what kind of side income you were able to generate from that while you were in college? Yeah, I mean, I was you know, making anywhere between, I mean, it wasn't like, crazy money, but I mean, between 500 and a couple thousand dollars a month I was making in college, which I, I remember some friends would like work at, you know, the local fast food place making like $6 an hour. And like the money I was making was like completely passive. Like my website was just sitting there and I was collecting checks. So like it was, it, it was pretty nice and, you know, pay, paid for some of the college funds. That's awesome. Yeah. I think I was making about $4 an hour when I was in college. So uh, I think yeah. maybe that shows a little bit of our age difference there. <laughs> but um, so I, I know with your career, you know, you, you, so you did the computer programming thing in college, you came out, um, you, you got into the digital marketing field. It sounds like you worked at a agencies of a variety of different sizes. Um, and then uh, in the last, uh, you know, when was it, two or three years ago, um, you've been a part of Two Wheels Marketing, which is this small, scrappy uh, firm in Columbus, Ohio. How does that compare to the experiences you've had at some of the other organizations? What, what do you prefer about it? What's, what's worse yeah. about it, maybe? Yeah, so... I, I, you know, looking back on my career, the, the times I was the most frustrated were the times where I had the least control over things. Like, uh, especially at the company that was 150. Uh, I mean, just so much bureaucracy, like to get anything done required approvals over top of approvals, et cetera. And uh, like those kind of situations, I, I just really struggled with and was frustrating. So yeah, I, I, I've kind of, I'm kind of the realization I've always kind of preferred, um, you know, having more control, uh, and at two wheels, you know, it's a very small company. So, you know, the thoughts, opinions I have like really matter and, you know, we kind of run with, so, um, yeah, that's something that I've really liked compared to, um, you know, some of the other companies, um, you know, on the other side, in in theory, um, you know, a bigger company, you may consider that like a safer job where, you know, like if you lose some clients, like the company can technically absorb that. But, you know, what I found, uh, you know, with, with Two Wheels is just like we have a very stable set of clients and, um, you know, we 
even though we're not a big company, we are able to, uh, you know, sustain even if we, uh, a few clients drop off. So there's really, there's really not a lot of downsides just with the way two wheels business structure set up. Um, yeah. You know, I hear this from a lot of my entrepreneurial friends who um, maybe had had some experience in corporate environments. And there is this high degree of frustration of the path to a solution or to success is relatively clear. Like we need to take these steps here, but there's so much red tape. There's so much bureaucracy that it, it becomes paralyzing and frustrating. You feel like you're beating your head against the wall you know, spending time on things that don't really matter. Yeah. And, and that, I mean, that kind of applies to clients as well. Um, I remember one of our clients was this major health organization in Columbus and, you know, we put together this pitch deck and like, we proposed this like very creative idea and, you know, the marketing director we pitched it to was like, oh my God, this is fantastic. Like, yeah, we're, should definitely do this. Like it was an absolute no brainer what we were proposing and like there's going to be clear, deliverable, successful results. And, you know, she had to pitch it to her boss, then her boss, and then her boss. And then four bosses later, eventually someone was like, eh, it's not a good idea. And then we end up not even doing it, even though it was like, a, you know, a no brainer thing to do. That's so frustrating. And that that actually makes me wonder, what have you found from your experiences, sort of your like ideal client? Like maybe the big corporate structures like that are appealing on the outside because it could be a very valuable contract for you. It could be nice steady work, but having to jump through all those hoops to get there can be a waste of time. Is there is it like a mid-tier to a smaller client that you find is a, is typically a better fit? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not smaller, the better, um, you know, more medium sized companies do have additional funds and they are able to take more chances. Um, it's not necessarily the size of the business. Um, I guess the, like the ideal clients is where, you know, the worker do is going to make an impact, like a big impact, like for some clients, like whether they're small or medium, it's like, okay, like what you're doing now is already pretty good. And yeah, we could come in and do like a little bit of optimizations here and there, but we're not going to make a drastic change. Whereas some businesses, it's like, okay, yeah, what we can do for you, it's going to be like, you'll immediately see it. Like it, it's, it's definitely going to make a bit of impact. And yeah, I mean, it's, those are, tend to be the most rewarding clients where they say a year from now, like, yeah, we've had to, hire more people on staff because of, you know, the work you've been doing or, uh, you know, one of the our recent clients, like they, they literally doubled their digital marketing revenue from one year to the next. And the only difference was like, we were working with them for that whole year. So, you know, you know, things like that, where we know we can make a big, big impact. Those are like the clients I, I really like working with. And you can probably get a pretty good sense of the ones that you'll have the biggest impact on just by going in and kind of looking at what they're doing now. What what does the SEO structure on their site look like? What are their PPC campaigns look like? You can probably, am I right, get a pretty good sense pretty quickly, like, oh, this is somebody we can really move the needle for. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Mark, um, you know, founder of Two Wheels, like he'll 
send me the website and we'll we'll kind of talk about it. And yeah, I mean, there are some times where it's like, yeah, we could take this over and, you know, we're going to do a good job and we're going to give it our best efforts. But in reality, like, I don't know how much of an impact it can make. And, and I mean, to give a little more specific, like in digital marketing, some of the clients I struggle working with are businesses where like the business's customers might only be like 50 or hundred people. Like their target market is like, you know, CEOs of major companies, like, you know, to do digital marketing and to try to find those 50 or hundred people is a bit challenging where like for those types of businesses, they really just need to find those businesses and call them, email them, send them postcards, send them letters in the mail. Like it's not necessarily like running a Facebook ad to those 50 or hundred people. Like that doesn't work very well. Whereas, you know, like an easier fit for digital marketing is like, everybody needs us. Like everyone needs like to buy flowers or everyone needs a dentist or something like that, where there's like a big market, it's easier to target those people and, and make a bigger impact when, when you have a wider audience like that. You want to be able to cast a big net rather than trying to throw a line in for a single fish. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I mean, you can do, you can do a good job of digital marketing if it's not a massive audience, but you know, it, it's just really hard to do digital marketing. And we've had a few clients where like, like I said, there's literally only 50 to 500 people in the entire world that would even be a good fit for this business. And to do digital marketing on that is, can be a bit challenging. What is it that sets you guys apart from your competition? When somebody is coming to you from one of your competitors, why, why are they doing that? Why are they more likely to see success with you guys? Yeah, we, I mean, we definitely have a lot of clients that are working with another, another digital marketing company and they're disgruntled with, with the work and, um, yeah, I mean, one of our advantages right now is just we're we're very lean, not a lot of overhead. Like, you know, I've worked with a lot of digital marketing companies, like I said, and you know, a lot of times your your point of contact is an account manager, and that account manager doesn't know anything about digital marketing, and that's like frustrating. Where you have to talk to the account manager, the account manager has to kind of try to tell the people that are actually doing the work, what needs done. And there's like miscommunications and all kinds of problems. And, you know, kind of similarly, like someone might get sold by like a really great salesperson who again, doesn't know anything about digital marketing, but they kind of over pitch services and promises. So you go into, you know, a relationship with like all these extremely high, like impossible expectations. And then when the people actually doing the work are in there, they're like, yeah, there's no way we're going to be able to do this. So, uh, you know, the, the benefit with us is, you know, the people you're talking to are really the ones in there doing the dirty work as well. So it, it's going to be clear, transparent, uh, right out of the gate. Um, and, you know, because we don't have as much overhead as, you know, some other companies, um, more time is get, getting spent doing the work that's going to make a difference for you. Well, in your company, right, they get to come and they talk to the account rep, the sales rep, the 
the the owners, the operators, all on the same conversation. There aren't those different layers where those conversations sort of get lost and this guy promised one thing and it didn't get passed on to the other guy. So I exactly. And, and yeah, I mean, between Mark and I, like we've both been in this industry for 20 years. Um, and you know, you're, you're getting a very senior level person that, that, that you're working with at all times, which, you know, another thing with like bigger agencies, like you might be working with a team and, they might be doing a good job, but one of them leaves and then you're working with a different person and that person has to relearn the account and maybe they're not as senior level as the other person. And you're like, oh, I wish I was working with that other person when things are great. And, it, you know, your account can just get passed around by person to person and th there can be a lot of disconnect there. Yeah. Now, most business leaders that I meet have at least one, if not multiple stories where they had to overcome a big challenge at some point in their career. You know, maybe there was a, a lawsuit or a firing or a big accounting mistake or, you know, something that, that you know, almost really derailed things or, or maybe did derail things for a while. We don't often get to hear so much about these stories because people are embarrassed to share. But for me, these are some of my favorite conversations because you know, it inspires other people to be resilient in the face of their own challenges. What can you think of it in your past? It's a, you know, a big challenge that maybe you had to overcome. Yeah, it's, there was a kind of a lull in the middle of my career where I was very frustrated and it just kind of seemed like I was doing the same thing year after year. And that went on for two, two, three years where I was just like, I was, I was managing the same team. We were doing the same stuff. Uh, you know, digital marketing is always changing, but like there wasn't any major things going on. We were still kind of doing the same process. And uh, that's where I was starting to get kind of frustrated. Uh, and at the time I was only doing SEO work, which was just one aspect of digital marketing where there's multiple aspects. And I always wanted to, be multifaceted where I could do SEO, I could run Google ads, I could run Facebook ads, I could do email marketing, et cetera. And I mean, with my career, it was, it was hard to transition because, you know, it, it's hard to start doing work that you have no experience in. Whereas, you know, your current role, like you have years and years of experience in, and, uh, you know, you have more knowledge there. So to be able to finally break free and get to an opportunity where I could do multiple aspects. Um, it, it was, it was a real struggle for a couple of years, but you know, eventually I did get through it. And, um, yeah, now I'm at a point where my level of learning is so much more rapid than it used to be, which I feel like there was like a Steve jobs quote or something where he's, he said something along these lines, but yeah, if you're not really learning on a daily basis and you're just kind of in a rut doing the same things over and over, like don't wait so long to, you know, make adjustments to where uh, you're more fulfilled and, and you're, you're learning. Yeah. I love that. Uh, it's a message I try to communicate to my kids on a regular basis. You know, they, they they think that at some point they're going to reach you know a stage in their life where they're they're sort of they know it all they they're done learning 
And the, the line I like to give them all the time is if you're doing it right, you are learning something new every day. Um, yep. And so I want to um, hear a little bit more about that uh, stagnant period because, you know, I think a lot of people can probably relate to that. You know, it's like, you know, it almost feels like groundhog stay. Like, you know, you're getting out of bed, you're, you're going through the same routine, like, like you want to shake it up, you want to learn, you want to grow. And like you pointed out, you were sort of in like a catch 22 because you wanted to do something new, but how do you get a job in that new thing without having, you know, some experience in it? So how did mm -hmm. you sort of navigate that? How did you get from this place of, I want to be over here. It's tough to get over here without having some experience. How, how did you cross that route? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not every profession can do this, but with, with our industry, uh, I mean, people take side gigs. It's just kind of like, it, it, it maybe it's a little more secret at the time, but it's, it's pretty normal to, I guess, have a full-time role, but then understand that you might be doing a little bit of work on the side. And that's how I was able to make the transition was, you know, my full-time job was doing SEO for company, but you know, five, 10 hours a week, I was also doing lighting, side gigging with another company. And that's where I got, you know, opportunities to start running Facebook ads, get first, firsthand experience, same thing with Google ads. That way, whenever I was at the point where I wanted to do another role, it's like, okay, I have, I have done this type of work before. These are the type of results I got. And, you know, that's kind of, kind of the way I was able to transition was to be able to actually get experience. It just wasn't in the full-time role. Got it. You took a side gig and you were able to build up a portfolio and some experience that you could then kind of leverage in, in getting some of those new opportunities. Another interesting thing that you said is that uh, your level of learning is a lot more rapid now than it was before. What, what do you credit that to? Yeah, I, I mean, being a small team, like, you know, we have a set of clients and, you know, we're every day trying to figure out what's best for the client. And I mean, whatever that is, like whatever idea I have, like, oh, maybe we, we should try this new thing. It's like, hey, Mark, we should do this. Yeah, I agree. And then we do it. So it's like, there's not a lot of friction from, hey, I've learned this or I have this idea to let's try it, let's go. Whereas again, like if you're working at a bigger company, it's like, okay, I have this idea. Well, that's not my department. So someone else has to do it. And then maybe they think it's a good idea. Maybe they don't or yeah, like the account manager doesn't want to do it or the client doesn't want to do it. Like there's all kinds of possibilities where you don't go from idea to implementation as quickly. So that, that's kind of where the the learning happens is is in the doing. And, you know, there's a lot more action taking in, in our current setup. Got it. Um, so we talked a little bit about the sort of the professional challenge of getting stuck uh, for a bit. What about uh, any personal challenges that you had to overcome that um, you look back on maybe had, you know, a formative influence on who you are today? You know, for some people, it's, you know, maybe, you know, there was a death of a loved one, or you stuttered, or an undiagnosed case of dyslexia, or any, anything like that, that, you know, kind of earlier on in your life that you think maybe helped to shape who you are today? 
Uh, yeah, when you and when you first asked that, like as far as like things that impacted me was probably getting fired a couple times. Like, uh, you know, th that's not early in life. That's like in my career. But like those things uh, really set me on a much better path where, you know, getting stagnant, um, you know, working for the same company for many years, getting fired because things that were outside of my control primarily, like they lose a bunch of clients and everything's kind of tailspins from there. But um, yeah, when you get fired and you're really scrapping to find your next opportunity, you, you grow thicker skin, uh, you get more, more different experience. Um, yeah. Like having that happen twice in my career, like really shaped me considerably to where I am today. Whereas if, if those things which seemed like horrible at the time didn't happen to me, I would not be the person I am today. Like I, I would, yeah, I, I just wouldn't be. So yeah. The, the, Tell me a little the, bit more about that. What What's it feel like in that moment to, to get fired and how does that eventually turn around to be this good positive force in your life? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the time it happened, it was just completely blindsided. Um, yeah, I'd worked at a company for eight years. Like I, I never really looked for alternative jobs just because it's kind of like a loyalty thing, I guess. Like I felt like, hey, you know, even that I have all these frustrations with this company, like I, I'm loyal to these people for whatever reason. Uh, but then getting fired just kind of like wiped you know, wipe the dust in my eyes and realize like, Hey, there's greener pastures out there. And like immediately, like the next opportunity I got, I was like, Oh yeah, there's like so many new and different things here. And I'm meeting a bunch of different coworkers and, um, yeah. Like why did I spend the last few years, like in a position that just wasn't working for me when I, I could have went elsewhere? Um, so yeah, it's, it kind of forced it, it, you to shake up the snow globe in a, in a way. Exactly. Yep. Oh, that's great. Any um, specific books or mentors that have helped to shape your professional career? Oh, gosh. Uh, I really got the personal development kick my around my senior year of college. Um, I even saw one of the websites that I started was a personal development website, which uh, went away, but I mean, I read hundreds of personal development books. So anything from like time management to goal setting to, you know, investing, uh, all these things. So, um, yeah, I've, I, I've definitely went through quite a, uh, a book journey, uh, but I don't read as much as many books now. Um, I, I tend to do more courses, podcasts, but, um, yeah, I mean, I like my senior year, like a couple books I can think of were like Think and Grow Rich, um, Four Hour Work Week, um, some of like Brian Tracy's like Eat My Eat Eat uh, Eat the Frog or whatever it's called. Um, yeah, just, uh, Richest Man of Babylon. Like there, there were a lot of books that. Um, 
really kind of opened my eyes to like, oh yeah, you can be a better person and you can, you know, learn to use your time more effectively and, uh, you know, reach towards like set and reach towards goals. Like all these things were like, you know, never really learned in school. And it was like something that I feel really helped, uh, especially as I was entering, you know, the, the, the real world and, and the workforce. Yeah, it's something that I wish that um, schools were able to do a better job of is sort of the making learning fun. And I get like they're trying to, you know, you've got to have this sort of foundation in place, right? You have to know how to read. You have to know how to write. You have to know math skills. Um, but yeah, for me, it wasn't until later in life when I got out of college and I owned my own company and I was in a position where I needed to learn in order to advance my career in my company. And, but there was a lot of fun in being able to apply that knowledge where I felt like in school, I was spending a lot of time um, learning things that were sort of theoretical. And it was like, maybe I would use this someday, but I don't know. Is, do you find that as well? Like, is it more uh, exciting and motivating for you to sort of pick and choose the things that you're interested in that you get to learn more about? Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely. Um... Yes. I mean, so many people in life, like once they get out of school, they, I mean, stop learning. Like, I know there's like stats where like, I forget, like 50, like at least 50% of people, once they graduate, never read a book again or something like that. So um, don't quote me on that. Like look it up on the internet and how, how could they even come up with that stat? Like that's another sidetrack, but I remember that was a stat that I read at one point in time, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, yeah. I mean, the school systems, I guess, like, you know, a lot of it is like rote memorization and you're learning this just to pass the test where, you know, the real world's more about like, what can I learn that I can apply? That's, I mean, that's something, especially with digital marketing, like you can really go down the rabbit hole of education where you're reading a, a million different blog posts and doing all this stuff. But um, a, a lot of the learning like comes from being in the weeds and like really digging in and doing the stuff. That's, that's where you get a lot of the learning. Not, not that like blog posts and courses aren't valuable, but that 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 can tend to be a trap with a lot of people is just like learning, 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 but never actually but not applying. Doing. Yeah, yeah. So you, you kind of have to make sure that balance is in place. What's something you wish you could teach the twenty-year-old version of Ryan? Uh, yeah. I mean, like a constant. I guess the constant theme is like, if you're not learning and you're kind of stagnant, like it's time for change. Um, I'm sure there's a million things I would tell myself in my twenties, like so many things about the golf swing. I'd be like, come on, man. Like all you have to do is this. It makes it so much easier. Like, and so many different subjects, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, for me, like when I'm happiest and most fulfilled is like when I'm uh, on regularly learning and yeah, there were just kind of points in my career where, you know, as I mentioned before that things were a little bit stagnant. 
Yeah, there's a regular theme that uh, is, is coming up here. And it's one of uh, continuous self-improvement and learning, which I think is great. What's a challenge that you're currently working through in your business? Um, so in with, with digital marketing agencies, you, you can kind of go a couple different paths. You can be good for a lot of different industries, or you can go niche and like only work for one type of company, like only dentists or only flower shops, et cetera. And there's kind of pros and cons to both. Um, the, the pros with going super niche is like you can become the best at that industry and like become very good at servicing that particular type of client and all this type of thing. It makes the sales process easier because like, hey, you know, we already work with 20 other businesses just like you and we have all kinds of these testimonials and stuff and it makes that process easy. Um, but the problem with going super niche is it could be economic factors. Like if all of a sudden people don't want to use this service anymore or something to that effect, like, well, okay, you've built your entire portfolio on one industry. So if that industry gets shaken, uh, you're in a lot of trouble. Whereas, you know, working with a bunch of different types of industries, um, you're more resilient to, outside factors and in a way you can also learn faster by working in different industries so you can learn something in one industry that applies to another industry etc so um i think the question was like i, I forgot where you landed on the what's, question but what's what's a challenge that you're currently yeah, working so, through in your business so you guys trying to like yeah, so the, the challenge with paths. us is, yeah, we are starting to find some verticals that we're already good at. Like we have some verticals where we already have a dozen or so clients. And the challenge is how can we get more of those clients? So specifically flower shops. Uh, we have a lot of different flower shops. And the challenge with that is in the sales process. So in a lot of industries, you might be able to send emails or follow them on LinkedIn or, you know, go in Facebook groups and kind of meet them. But with flower shop owners, like what we found is they're, they're kind of old school, like they're not as tech savvy. So the challenge being a digital marketing company is how can we kind of get in front of these people that aren't necessarily digital people. And, you know, something we're exploring this year is, going to conferences, uh, sending them postcards and stuff in the mail, uh, you know, reaching out via phone. So kind of doing offline sales activities, even though like our wheelhouse is all the things you could do when people are, are online. What's something fun or interesting that most people don't know about you, Ryan? Yeah, every time I do an interview and I get this question, I, I say the same thing. So here it goes. Uh, fun fact about me is I have seven published novels. Uh, so I've written seven fiction books. Uh, there is like a, a couple years before my first son was born. Like once my son was born, this killed, killed my fiction writing career. But, uh, 
Yeah, it was in a span of like about two years, two and a half years. I wrote seven fiction novels, which yeah was was pretty cool, pretty fun at the time. Were they kind of all part of a series? Was there a a, a common theme to them? Yeah, there Similar were characters. So there were five five of them, or four of them were standalone, and then there was a trilogy. So yeah, that made up the seven. And what's like, is this like, uh, I don't even know, comedy? Was this uh, like murder mystery? Like what's the- Yeah, they were more- uh, Thrillers? Kind of a a thriller, thriller mystery. All of them are kind of in the thriller mystery category, which is kind of like the movies and shows and books that I like to- and, and so were these all like digitally published? Did you do any? Yeah, yeah. Or? I mean, they're on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and uh, Apple. And I can buy a places. physical copy of these books. Yeah, just, I've uh, yeah, I've got the physical copies um, in my basement. There's probably a box of books, and yeah, I've every now and then I'll like hand them out to co-workers and stuff so yeah there's physical copies now my name is ryan whiteside but i used a pen name because i'm super cool writer person like that so uh if you search like ryan ryan wiley was my pen name so if you search ryan wiley on amazon i think i still come up in search results for for some of my books so you still get some sales from that yeah i get like yeah few dollars royalties every year which it's actually a pain with my accountant because like royalties have to be classified as something else so it causes like a couple extra emails explaining what this income is because it has to be like i don't know it's an accounting problem that Uh they have to deal with and okay (laughs) what's what's the most interesting evolution or innovation that's uh happening in your industry right now oh yeah i mean like a lot of industries like ai machine learning um you know make makes a huge impact in digital marketing and i mean even before like chat gpt era like machine learning and ai was still a pretty big part or impact in what we do i mean specifically like you know, take Facebook ads, for example, something five years ago that we as digital marketers, it was super important was to like find the right interests audiences. So if you're um, trying to think of an example, um, like if you're uh, into Catholic books, for example, like in Facebook, you used to have all these targeting options. So you would set people that are interested in Catholicism or people that are interested in the Pope or people that are interested in uh, Richard Rohr, which is this very popular Catholic author. Like you had to find all these like very niche pockets and and manually type them in. Uh, Whereas now like more and more Facebook has just like taken away a lot of the targeting options that you can type in. because of privacy and all these reasons, but also confidence in their algorithm to where a lot of the time, the targeting we set is what we call catch-all, where it's just like Facebook, go after everyone between the age of 21 and 65 and find the audience for me. And 
that's all done by AI and machine learning. And, you know, what we find is like Facebook's algorithm is just really good now at, you know, all the information they have already on your customers. So they, you know, with digital marketing, you can add like a pixel, it's called a pixel on your website. So they're tracking you. So they know everyone that's coming to the website. They know if you purchased or not. They also know other websites you're visiting. So like Facebook and Google, they have like millions of data points on all these people. And because of that, their algorithm is very smart. So once you say, hey, Facebook, find this audience who's most likely to purchase these books, they are very good at doing that because they have all, all those data points on people. Right. Yeah. So it used to be like you were saying that um, you had to be really good at picking out these individual audiences. And but now with the pixel that tracks everybody, uh, Facebook and Google's algorithm is better than choosing those individual audiences, which you don't even have the ability to do as much anymore. Um, you know, you might have to spend a little bit more in ad spend, I believe, up front to, to be able to help train the pixel and get some of that data into Google and Facebook so that they know the audience that's converting, but it's, it's, it's much more effective in the long term. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as like digital marketing, we just, we, we kind of have to pivot in what we're doing. So whereas before we were spending all our time, like finding those audiences and keywords and stuff, where now we have to focus more of our time on other things because of, you know, some of that's done for us. So, you know, for example, you know, that frees us, frees us up to spend more time on talking to the client about like what offer they're doing, like, Hey, maybe we should run this promotion during this time or, um, you know, things like that, where, uh, maybe before we wouldn't have had as much time to, to be able to do those things. Got it. Uh, Ryan, you mentioned before that uh, a lot of times in digital marketing, you know, you're, you've got some side gigs going on. Any interesting side gigs or projects that you want to give voice to? No, I don't. I, I really don't do as much side gigging as I used to. Um, part of that is just, you know, my personal life. I've got an eight-year-old now and he keeps me pretty busy, whereas, you know, pre-Evan, my, my son's name, uh, pre-Evan, like I used to wake up at five and write some fiction books and do some side work until like 11 o'clock on a Saturday or Sunday. Like it was no problem, like five hours of free time to just, you know, do this type of work. Whereas now, like we wake up at the same time, he wants to play soccer in the basement or go outside or something, which, which is great. Uh, you know, I, I definitely wouldn't change it. So yeah, as far as like side work, yeah, it's just, yeah, I, I don't do it quite nearly as much as I used to. Evan is your side work now. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Ryan, I want to be respectful of your time, but uh, let people know, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I don't have a big following on Instagram or TikTok, although I did dabble with TikTok videos for a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, you can look me up on LinkedIn, Ryan Whiteside. Uh, you can connect with me there, message me, or um, yeah, I mean, if you want to 
learn about digital marketing stuff. Um, yeah, you can go to Two Wheels Marketing. I also have a, a few courses on Udemy if you actually want to learn how to do this firsthand. Um, you can search for my name on Udemy and see some of the courses I've done. That's Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y.com. Yeah. Well, Ryan, thanks for making the time. Uh, we really appreciate being able to hear your story. That's a wrap on another episode of the Inspired Stories podcast. Thanks for learning with me today. Thank you.